So to start, can you just introduce yourself? Yeah, yeah. So I'm Joe Bruker. Um, I was at Oracle, essentially leading the uh, data science practice within NetSuite and helping build up the sales operations practice, um, kind of from, like from the ground up from an analytical perspective. Yeah, now before you tell us a little bit about how you started in data science, can you give a little more of your background and how you transitioned from data science to that sales ops role? Sure, sure, absolutely. So um, going in with like the intent of kind of like trying to build an build up the data science practice within a very B2B company. Our, um, our data was really, really chunky. We, were, we had like customers who were in the thousands to tens of thousands, but um, the more granular data where I saw I could add the most value was actually um, providing insights into our sales organization itself. So looking at uh, our salespeople and their behavior and how we could make their, like, their performance more optimized. And to give a little bit of background to dive in now, get to the question. So just to start, what's your current favorite blogs, podcasts, books on maybe sales or sales ops if you have any? Sure, sure. So I think there's actually, unfortunately, kind of like kind of a vacuum in this, which is so it's great that you guys are doing this. Um, uh, sales has a ton of documentation out there, a ton of blogs who are talking about it, but sales ops is a huge industry and a huge, uh, huge constituency that doesn't have a lot of information. The information that I have had, had seen is like, there's some stuff from Harvard Business Review and uh, uh, et cetera, but um, it, it's great that you guys are kind of hitting this nail on the head. Well, thank you. Yeah, we're hoping to kind of fill that gap a bit. Um, definitely maybe looking to turn this into more, so hopefully we'll kind of get the start in the movement. Sounds great. Next question as far as tech that when you were at Oracle, what was something that your team couldn't use without used on a daily basis? Sure, sure. So we we were really hyper dependent on you know like living within our CRM. Um, Netsuite has its own CRM, so we'd use that. Um, we would also use really uh, aggressively like DMB and and other kind of abstractions of that. Really knowing like who our customers are, uh, like where they are in our sales cycles, how often are we talking to them, and where they're living. Um, unfortunately, some, a lot of these solutions kind of fell short in terms of like being able to provide deeper insights into, into, into like what kind of companies they were and how well we were penetrating them. And as far as the actual team, is there any enablement you guys use or because you were such a big organization, you kind of just use your own tools? Sure, sure. Oracle actually has, the, uh, ha has great infrastructure to try to build its own tools, but still there's fantastic specialists out in the space who could build things that Oracle just uh, really couldn't match. So, um, so we had a sales enablement and sales productivity practice that specifically, like their task was to go out and find new emerging technologies that helped improve our sales team's performance, our penetration and our management's visibility into, uh, into how well we were selling and how well we were keeping up with the sales that we were in. Cool, so did they find anything really interesting in that department or was that a little bit after you left? Sure, sure. So while I was there, um, the we worked on a handful of technologies. Obviously, um, like LinkedIn Sales Nav is a huge staple for a lot of sales organizations. Um, we used uh, DMB and specifically DMB data um, to provide information to our sales organization. Um, although there were like some points where you know maybe that wasn't up to snuff, so we had to try to fill those things out ourselves. Um, we also used uh, tools like HG Focus, HG Data, but basically all uh, tools around the theme of trying to find more information about those specific customers. So to kind of reprise like LinkedIn Sales Nav, NetSuite CRM, uh, DNB, and HG Focus, HG Data. Yeah, I've heard a lot about almost everyone who's interviews has mentioned Navigator. It seems like yeah. just dominating right now. Yeah, it's a 
it's pretty great. You talked more about kind of high level what you did transitioning to the sales ops leader, but can you talk sure. a little about what your day to day was like? Sure, sure. So um, what was really in, like exciting about the work that I was doing was um, I got to work with a variety of folks where I was working with uh, the marketing organization, I was working with uh, the sales leadership, I was working with uh, operations in our back office, um, and I was working within our planning organization. So. Um, on a day-to-day -day basis, it's kind of like trying to balance those counterparties and seeing uh, what their demands are, what their needs are, because um, sales operations kind of is is the engine that really drives sales, which is like what obviously moves the company. So we would take market, like it could be meetings with marketing to understand their initiatives and put that into the sales channel, understanding sales leadership and and provide like processing their feedback, um, working with uh, the planning organization, looking at. Uh, analyses and forecasts to see what we could do to, to optimize behaviors um, and uh, making sure that all of those people are happy. Yeah, that actually transitions really well into my next question, which sure. was how closely did you work with your marketing team? Sounds right. pretty close, but in your opinion, and I come from a marketing background, but won't be offended, gotcha. <laughs> do you think that your marketing team did provide high quality leads? And if so, kind of what tactics do you guys use together to create better lead generation? Sure, sure. So um, we, we worked with the marketing team as close as we possibly could because we understood their value in having a team that's like centrally focused on building our story and our narrative in our sales processes and getting more leads that fit that. And what's interesting about marketing as, a, as an organization is there's all these different tools and technologies available and all of these different uh, sources of data that are available in terms of intent, geolocation, um, like uh, hiring, all these, all these pieces of information that really drive the quality of, like, of, uh, of a different company in terms of like how it fit NetSuite as a company as our like, ideal customer profile. But um, it wasn't uh, hyper-centralized. We didn't have everything that we um, needed in every step of the process, so it wasn't super unified as well as it could have been. Um, but we definitely, uh, and, and there were a lot of contentious conversations, frankly, between like marketing and sales in some ways where, um, you know, marketing wants to deliver more and they feel that they're doing as much as they can and sales um, is always going to be hungry and always going to be asking for more leads. Like that's a, I'm, I'm sure that's not a unique story. Yeah, definitely not. And did you feel kind of as sales ops, you had to be that glue to kind of find a happy medium between the two? Tried to, <laughs> tried to. Yeah, it's uh, uh, and what's great about sales operations is like a central focus within that is uh, you can kind of be an objective third party and and try to bring the the best of those things together. And we did try to start programs that were that had marketing objectives and systematize those in the systemize those in a way that like uh, fulfilled like lead generation needs. Gotcha. And you mentioned a bit how the data was sometimes using all the different platforms, kind of unsynchronized. That sure. actually leads well into CRM. Right. Sure you guys used, you mentioned your own CRM. Did you find that adopting mm -hmm. CRM helped kind of clean up that data? Or sometimes if actually having all those different systems going into CRM caused it to get a little messy? Ooh, uh, man, this is a contentious issue since we actually sold the CRM. But I mean, to speak frankly, uh, CRMs are built to essentially present information, but they're not so great at collecting data from a large variety of sources. They're not so great at, um, at uh, managing data that's up to date. They don't, a lot of the data that's in there, if it's, the data that's in CRM is a huge, huge problem. Uh, the data is either um, not up to date, it's not assigned to the right person, it's incorrect, 
or it's simply just not there. Um, so when you add all of those problems together, I think the last estimation that we had at NetSuite was that maybe 10% of the data that we were working with was like up to date, fungible, et cetera. And um, we had a great sales team who worked really, really hard within that, within those me measures. Um, but it's also, you have these competing pressures where if you have a really high performing salesperson, um, you don't wanna ask them to spend more time doing data entry. Um, so what are you left with a CRM without like your best salespeople's data? Yeah, we find that, I think we've seen a statistic before, like 20% of CRM data is inaccurate. And I've been curious about like with all the integrations growing, whether or not if you're not cleaning sure. them properly, whether that's kind of leading to more inaccuracy. Right, right. Well, and it compounds over time. It compounds over time because you have to deal with duplicate uh, customer records. You have to deal with, um, uh, you know, more subjective opinions as your, as your company changes. Um, like what are the verticals you're selling into, et cetera? How are you defining the market that you're pursuing? And, uh, and these issues compound over time and make for a really messy CRM. Yeah, any best practices you guys found as far as cleaner CRM data or just kind of staying on top of it? Sure. Um, one thing that we employed that uh, I think was really effective was uh, the practice of like essentially gamification. Mm -hmm. So we would run these sales contests, um, which were uh, hyper effective in terms of like drumming up volume. They were great for morale, et cetera. But as one of the requisites, um, you know, to, for a phone call to count, all of the information associated with that phone call had to be populated. For a new lead to count, all of the information necessary for a lead had to be populated. Um, and that way we weren't being punitive and, and uh, getting in the way of people's jobs because at the end of the day, it's a, it's a voluntary sales contest. But we did see that our accuracy jumped really significantly after we employed those practices. Wow, it's a great piece of actual advice. Just make it a little more fun for your reps. Exactly. Did yeah. They get competitive. They absolutely got competitive. Super competitive. Um, we had folks who uh, who were working from six a.m. until eight p.m. on their sales. Um, as a result of this, we saw stats as far as like essentially an eighty percent improvement over a month uh, in in terms of like our prospecting volume. So yeah, sales folks super competitive, and when you turn that on, uh, you definitely see the results. Yeah, that's that's crazy difference. Kind of switching gears entirely, um, well, just using your CRM, sure. were you in charge of sales forecasting as your department in Oracle, and if so, what methods do you use to make your sales forecasting also as accurate as possible? Sure, so sales operations was certainly in charge of sales forecasting. Um, sales forecasting is also kind of a, a joint effort where we had our salespeople forecast their numbers and then through various tiers of management who maybe had a more discriminating eye, um, maybe say, we're not sure about this deal, we think that this deal is gonna close later, and then we ended up getting that to a round number at the end of it, um, and then working with, and sales ops's job was to kind of maintain that, keep people honest, and then, um, and then roll that up to our final forecast up you know, through senior management. Um, within that, uh, let's see, within forecast being as accurate as possible, we did try, um, uh, forecast accuracy is always, always going to be a point of con uh, contention, point of conversation within sales operations and within sales, um, where essentially senior managers, a big part of what they're judged on is their forecast accuracy, um, which is fair because it shows they know their sales. Um, but the to say that the accuracy was always there um, would would, uh, would definitely be an overestimation. It's it's a it's a really hard game to play. It's 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 much more of an art than a science. 
for a lot of folks. And when we tried to turn it into science, it was really difficult for us because um, trying to make predictions algorithmically using machine learning off of bad CRM data was basically impossible. Yeah, I know we found that asking this question, you know, what makes your forecast as accurate as possible? So often leaders just say, well, we're just making sure that our reps actually are predicting close rate and amount right. And it right. seems like that's really the only way to get accurate forecasts. Absolutely, yeah. And then, but within those sales reps, if you have new sales reps, they might have happy years. They might have uh, overestimations of their own understanding or they may be bearish. Mm -hmm. so, um, so having that management layer in there somewhat helped, but yeah, getting as close to the sales reps as possible is certainly was certainly a boon to our performance. Yeah, and sort of similar to kind of how you can get sales reps to be as accurate as possible to enter, how did you set up maybe your comp structure to help, you know, encourage better behavior even around maybe CRM data and how this aligned generally with your overall sales goals and strategies? Sure, sure. So, um, so comp structure uh, is something that, you know, sales management should absolutely take advantage of in terms of uh, driving strategic goals. Um, uh, our comp structure was set up, I, I think, probably the way that most SaaS companies are, where we had uh, we had our reps with a salary, but also compensation in line with like how much uh, they brought in in terms of uh, the deal that they brought in from the customer. Um, but we also had compensation ideas around uh, bonuses oriented around strategic products that we were trying to orient around strategic um, strategic market market positioning. Um, strategic uh, marketing initiatives, so like attending certain events, et cetera. And then we could also tie that in with gamification again and, and use that as an additional compensation method um, and use that to incentivize clean CRM, et cetera. So if you're not tracking things the right way, it's hard for us to compensate on it. And that's a great way to convince sales reps to enter their things correctly. Yeah, definitely. Did you ever give like gift cards or prizes or any little things for the gamifications or for like one-off little um, promotions you were doing or mostly just kind of using internal competition? Sure, sure. So that, um, so that actually somewhat varied um, uh, and it varied by team where teams that maybe had a more senior workforce, they would respond better to, you know, uh, like more direct terms of compensation like gift cards or, or like a bonus cash check or a free dinner. Um, whereas our more millennial workforce really, like really, really responded well to uh, experience kind of prizes. So. We had um, we had a sales contest where we sent uh, uh, like our best performers to the World Series, and that was a huge, huge boon. And if you just look at the cost of sending somebody to a kind of an experience-oriented event versus the cash that you would bring in from such a like such a drive in sales, then it ends up really being worth it. But um, people really responded to the experiences. Yeah, that's interesting insight, kind of segmenting out by your employee base, you know, knowing right. what they're interested in. But definitely a perk of working for a big company that you could send people to the World Series. Absolutely, absolutely. That might be just an Oracle thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, final question for today, um, kind of a big one. What trends do you see coming for sales ops and enablement in the next few years? Sure, so I, I see sales ops and enablement becoming uh, increasingly kind of an intelligence engine. Um, the, uh, the more rote tasks that are associated with sales ops, processing commissions, processing uh, transactions, um, processing commissions, those things are probably going to slowly get increasingly automated. So sales ops is going to be sales ops and enablement are going to be increasingly in a position of doing market intelligence, doing uh, business intelligence, and trying to turn it into more of an advisory role to their counterparties within sales and marketing. 
interesting. I definitely, as someone who sometimes does commissions, I'd love to see that get automated. Absolutely. Me too. So. Well, thank you so much for taking the time today. This was such an interesting interview. Any final last questions or shout outs? Uh, no, no. Um, really appreciate you having me by and uh, excited to see how Map My Customers grows.